And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. It's October, and in the spirit of Halloween and all things as spooky, we'll be focusing on horror films. Each week, we'll pick a film from a subgenre of horror like paranormal, monsters, psychological, or otherwise. And that includes homicidal hillbillies, which I hate. <laughs> All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Dueling> <laughs> banjos. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you find many people that like the homicidal hillbillies. I mean, they're they're pretty taboo no matter where you go. Yeah, even hillbillies don't like homicidal hillbillies. No way, man. They give them a bad name. Hillbillies are trying to trying to get out of that. They're uh, they've changed. People change. Sure. <laughs> I don't think so. That's all lies. Rocky is the only recorded human being ever to cause change. The man ended a cold war, all right, by, by using his fists instead of his brain and and coats and lots of coats <laughs> and, and out outrunning the uh, the Russian mafia in their in their Mercedes there. Yeah. Whatever oh. you go, they will go. And showing that you don't need steroids, you just need hard work ethic and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on your back. And then there yeah. you go. I think I think that's an astute observation. <laughs> and a talking robot. <laughs> oh yeah. Which they're ditching in the director's cut. What? Why? Yeah, I don't know. They don't belong, I guess. I don't know something. Yeah, I don't um I read about that online. <laughs> <laughs> happy happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> yeah, they they're ditching it. Oh, fuck them. Whatever. I, know. I don't need to see no director's cut then. I know, right? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How are you, my friend? I'm good. A lot of, a lot of horking. We, uh, we survived New York Comic Con, or what is the metaverse, as they called it. It was uh, exhausting. I'm glad it's over. Cool. Yeah, those Mandalorian figures you guys announced were really cool. Yeah. The, I like those a lot. The Ronin. The Show yeah. Ronin figure. Yeah. The May Show, yeah, it's uh, those are those are really cool. I enjoy those. I give them, I give them a like and an upvote. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. Need the likes and the upvotes, the upticks, the what have you, the pokes, the prods, whatever it is that social media is these days. I'll take it. What have you been watching? Oh, Looks like so a lot much of horror stuff. movies. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, last podcast for for T H E, T H H E. The uh, I, I, for the hills have eyes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, I just snorted. I didn't I wasn't even able to figure out what you were saying. Uh, I explained how our buddy Brett uh, watches horror films every day in October. So I don't want to be shown up by Brett. So I, um, I I make sure to watch at least one horror film a day, one spooky movie, Los Spookies. But uh, I, I watched the South Park Pandemic special. I know it's not scary, but I just f- uh, saw it on HBO Max and needed to watch it. I watched Saw 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I have all eight films, but I will get to those later. I watched Paranorm- Paranormal Activity 2. I watched The Raid Redemption, which is not a Halloween movie, but I needed a break. I watched The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, all 25 of them or whatever. 
Uh, I watched Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Don't ask me why I picked that one. I just picked it. Um, And I watched Us. I watched Get Out. And I watched Child's Play 2. So I was a busy bee. This was all just kind of lazy rain days and movies and all that stuff. It's like gym and then movies. That's what I do. Who's Jim? You know, Slim Jim. He's snappy to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are gross. Those are beef sticks, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Made with pork and chicken, which Whoa. is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I like them in two. A lot of salty water in them, too. Yeah. Disgust. That's, that's, a, about, that's a pretty good uh, roundup of movies there. That's a, that's a lot of action. I, I'll, I've been watching a South Park. Uh, I like started South Park. a couple weeks ago. Just keep it running. And uh, it's been fun. What season are you on? Gosh, we're on member berries now. Oh, wow. So whatever you that is. You went through them quick. I know. Holy buckets. <laughs> it's been on all day. <laughs> Jeez. I uh, know. It's crazy. I, so, like, you know, I was, gosh, my senior year in high school, I believe, is when it all started. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I watched it as it was on for many, many years. And then I kind of had, like, a stopping point at some point in the, like, early 2010s, I guess. And then I came back. During the uh, Soto Sopa season. And so <laughs> I, I had a, a, yeah, exactly. I had a couple year gap. So it was fun to watch all those. They're, they're quite comical. Did you watch the pandemic special? Yeah, I watched it. Oh, dude, I was dying. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty good. Did a good job. But yeah. yeah, not too shabby. Are you ready to get in? It looks like we have a lot to talk about for this movie. <laughs> uh, pages and pages and pages of notes. Oh yeah. I don't I don't typically take notes. Um, but this time there's lots. Lots to be had. So let's get right into it. Saw from 2004, directed by James Wan, written by Lee Winnell, and who actually wrote the story with James Wan um, a couple years prior to that. Uh, the cast stars uh, let's see, we got Carrie Ill. <laughs> I can never say his <laughs> El- name. Elwes? El- I think it's Elwes. Elwes? I can never say his name since I was a kid. I'm like you know, Robin Hood, <laughs> you know, Russ yeah. Wheeler from Days of Thunder, Dread Pirate Roberts, that guy. Uh, then our, our good buddy, Lee Winnell, who actually wrote the Motion Picture Show, Danny Glover, Ken Leung, Michael Emerson. The two of them are from Lost Fame. Dina Meyer, who is Diz from fucking Starship Troopers. Then you have Son, uh, Shawnee Smith and Jigsaw himself, Tobin Bell. Uh, Fun fact, do you, know, do you know Tobin Bell was in The Quick and the Dead? He played a really dirty guy who uh, who battled Leo DiCaprio. He was the first death. Fun oh, fact. Awesome. Yeah. Fun fact. I, I haven't seen that movie since it came out. And it's like one of David's favorite westerns. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. I, I, it's so forgettable for me. But whatever. Uh, it is what it is. Um, are you ready to go over critical reception? I hope so. All right. Uh, let's see. James Christopher from Times UK. He says... James Wan's horror film, Saw, is full of demented twists and guilty-looking actors, but the scenario is cruel enough to make you squirm. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think there's only one part that really kind of made me squirm and give me the heebie-jeebies, which we can get into later. But, I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, you said there are eight of these movies. I think that the first one is probably the most tame out of all of them. Yeah, for sure. In terms of kills and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, David Gritton from Daily Telegraph UK 
says contrived unlovable gore fest with a high concept premise. All right. See, I see. Again, I don't think this one is all that gory. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. Uh, I think it, it has gore, but I don't think it's like gory in the sense of some of the other ones. But what can you do? Um, Mike Goodridge from Screen International says Saw is a sub seven B movie. Serial killer chiller with high concept stuffed into its 100 minutes than it can handle. With more high concept stuffed into its 100 minutes than it can handle. So right there, this is a, that's an interesting comparison. Because he says Saw is a sub-7 B-movie. As in, what's in the box, 7. And while I can see why there are comparisons, I don't think that that's entirely fair. But no. Um, we can get into that later. So, uh, Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian. He says, there's something impressively loathsome and extravagantly twisted about this horror thriller from first-timer James Wan. And this is actually uh, James Wan's directorial debut, which is uh, exciting stuff. He also, what else did he do? He did like the Conjuring Co- movies, Insidious. Aquaman. Yeah. Aquaman. <laughs> so yeah, he's done he's done quite a bit of stuff and uh, some decent horror films too. Dead Silence. I don't know if you ever saw that. Not very mm-hmm. good, but he did it at least. Um. All right, and then the other ones actually touch on them being sequels. So I would rather not get into those because I don't want. I would rather the review to be based on this being a one and done. All right. So moving on. To the budget, it was a $1.2 million budget, which is uh, not a whole lot of monies. And uh, opening day, or opening weekend rather, it brought in $18.2 million. That was on October 29th of 2004. Fun little Halloween weekend. Grossed in the United States at $56 million and had a worldwide gross of $103 million. Not too shabby on a $1.2 million budget. That definitely ranks as one of the most profitable films of all time, I would imagine. Yeah, that's really good. That's a lot of money. So, uh, so all of the bathroom scenes were shot in chronological order to make the actors feel what the characters were going through. So that's fun. Um, and also the entire film was filmed in 18 days. So I'm sure that that attributes to the $1.2 million budget. I mean, that's a really quick way to spend $1.2 million, but 18 days is awesome. Right. Uh, According to the DVD commentary, director James Wan pointed out that many of the scare scenes in the film were nightmares that he and Lee Wanell had as kids. So that's interesting because just imagining that now makes it even scarier for me, like the whole pig face thing and using your camera to use the flash to see what's going on in the house and then pig face stabs you. That kind of stuff is terrifying to me. Um, so I think that's really where they really struck gold on on this film, in my opinion. Director James Wan took a gamble and took no upfront salary for the film and opted for a percentage instead. What a smart guy. I mean, yeah. you really got to you got to bet on yourself on that one. But <clears throat> director James Wan built the jigsaw doll for the film. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, from scratch. It wasn't yeah. like they got a doll and they made it into jigsaw. No. It was literally from scratch. Yeah, they used paper mache and like ping pong balls and such. I think that's really neat, though. And he kept it, too, for it. I think they wrapped a child in gauze. And <laughs> I painted don't think, it. <laughs> I don't think that's what we're not about speculation here. We don't do that. <laughs> that's what I would have done. <laughs> One child, please. Uh, <laughs> in post production, director James Wan discovered that he did not have enough shots or takes to fill out most of his scenes. So he and editor Kevin Grutri. 
Grugert, created their own filler shots by doctoring some of them to make them look as if they were filmed through a surveillance camera. So that kind of makes sense. It's a nice little uh, little trick that you can do to extend it a bit. Sure. Just kind of filling I mean, in those holes. Yeah, it adds a little bit more dynamic to the, to the film, too. So you're not just looking at the same thing over and over again. And it gives that image of they're being watched, which is nice. Yeah. You always feel like somebody's watching me. Uh, and I got no privacy. <laughs> no privacy. <laughs> I'm afraid to wash my hair. <laughs> Director James Wan wanted the camera movements to reflect the two main characters, emotions, and personality. He filmed Dr. Gordon with steady controlled shots and Adam as handheld shots to capture their emotions of the situation. That I did not know. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Fascinating. All these things. <laughs> I, know. I know when I was adding trivia, I was like, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. There's a, there's a ton about James Wan. It's almost like he directed the movie. Director James Wan did not intend to make a torture porn film. I don't think anybody wanted to make that. It was not until the sequels got into gear that the films got what he described as more explicitly nasty. And that's exactly what we were talking about when, when those reviews are saying, oh, this is all about gore. I was like, more like Al Gore, because there's this, you know, the first one's really tame for, for all intents and purposes. So I just think uh, people cumulatively uh, group the first saw as like the entire franchise and they instantly are like, Oh, they're all awful. Whatever. Uh, the film screenplay was written in 2001 as a calling card for director James Wan and Lee Winnell trying to break into Hollywood. They shot a low budget short based on a scene in the film. And this proved successful enough to attract the attention of evolution entertainment. They immediately formed a horror genre arm called twisted pictures and gave Wan and Winnell a small budget. So the short film that they did, they used the bear trap, uh, Lee Winnell was in the bear trap, which they then in turn used in the movie for um, Amanda. Fun little fact. It's a reverse bear trap. Uh, whatever. It opens. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, uh, Science. <laughs> Goggle. <laughs> <laughs> Shawnee Smith originally turned the role of Amanda down. After it was offered to her a second time, she watched the original short film by Lee Winnell and James Wan and accepted the role. I like Shawnee Smith. I used to have a huge crush on her. She was in this movie with John Candy called Who is Harry Crumb? And that movie was awesome. I watched it when I was a kid and she is so hot. And then she was also in a movie called Summer School. And that was really good, too. Uh, okay, so I will try to read a quick synopsis for you and let me know if I mess up. Photographer Adam, just call him Adam. Photographer Adam awakens in a bathroom with his ankle chained to a pipe. Across the room is oncologist Dr. Lawrence Gordon. Between them is a corpse holding a revolver and a microcassette recorder. Both men find a tape in their pockets and Adam retrieves the recorder. Adam's tape urges him to escape while Gordon's tape tells him to kill Adam by six o'clock or his wife, Allison and daughter, Diana will be killed. Dun, dun, dun. Adam finds a bag containing two hacksaws inside the toilet, which they try to use to cut through their chains. But Adam's saw breaks. Gordon realizes the saws are meant to be used on their feet and identifies their capture as the jigsaw killer, a, a serial killer who tests his victims will through murderous contraptions as games. Gordon knows of the jigsaw killer because he was once a suspect. Five months ago, everybody's Gordon... a suspect. <laughs> what? What is that from? Scream. What oh, is okay. In the video store. Oh yeah. <laughs> Five months ago, Gordon, while discovering the terminal brain cancer of patient John Kramer, was interrogated by detectives David Tapp and Stephen Singh, who found his penlight at the scene of one of Jigsaw's games. Gordon's alibi cleared him, but he agreed to view the testimony of heroin addict Amanda Young the only known survivor of one of Jigsaw's traps, a reverse bear trap. After Gordon was released, Tap and Singh found Jigsaw's warehouse using the videotape from Amanda's game. 
There, they apprehended Jigsaw and saved a man from the trap, but Jigsaw escaped after Singh triggered a shotgun trap in the hallway that killed him. Allison and Diana are held captive at home as their captor watches Adam and Gordon through a hidden camera. The house is simultaneously watched by Tap, who became obsessed with the Jigsaw case after Singh's death and his discharge from the police force, and is convinced Gordon is the killer. Meanwhile... <laughs> well, Sorry, I was just waiting for, like, lethal weapon... <laughs> music to play while he's like watching them as peeping tom real real quick did you notice and i'll I'll cut this out but did you notice in the pandemic special when they're all in the school it goes yeah i was laughing so hard i told alex i was like oh my god that's from they live it's so funny i was dying because i was thinking of you and i was gonna record it and go ding 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 yeah i was she was like what's so funny i'm like oh my god the music it's from they live that was so cool that was that was such an obscure easter egg and you'd really have to be a they live fan to get it but i was dying because i was like fuck yeah so meanwhile gordon finds a box containing two cigarettes a lighter and a one-way cell phone before recalling his abduction in a parking garage by a pig mask figure he's <laughs> he stages Adam's death with a cigarette dipped in the corpse's tainted blood, but the plan fails when Adam is electrically shocked through his ankle chain. Adam recalls his own abduction in his photo development room. When the power went out, he found a puppet and was attacked by the same pig mask figure. When Gordon's wife calls him at gunpoint, warning him not to trust Adam, the latter admits that he was paid by tap to spy on him and shows the photos he took from the bag containing the hacksaws, revealing his knowledge of Gordon's affair with one of his medical students whom he had visited the night he was abducted and the reason he is being tested. That is a long sentence. Holy crap. Adam finds a photo he did not take of Allison and Diana's captor, whom Gordon identifies as Zepp Hindle, an orderly at his hospital. Once the clock strikes six, Zepp moves to murder Allison and Diana due to Gordon failing to kill Adam in time, but the former frees herself and fights him. The struggle attracts Tap's attention, and he saves Allison and Diana before chasing Zepp to the sewers, where he is shot in the chest after a brief fight. Gordon, only aware of the gunshots and screaming, is shocked and loses reach of the cell phone. In desperation, he saws off his foot and shoots Adam with the corpse's revolver. Zepp enters the bathroom to kill Gordon, but Adam, having survived the gunshot, bludgeons Zepp to death with the toilet tank lid. Gordon crawls out of the bathroom to find help while Adam searches Zepp's body for a key and finds another tape, revealing that Zepp was another victim following rules to obtain an antidote for a slow-acting poison he was given. As the tape ends, the corp rouses and is revealed to be John Kramer, the real Jigsaw killer, who reveals to Adam that the key to his chain was in the bathtub that has gone down the drain when he first woken up. Horrified, Adam attempts to shoot John with Zepp's gun, but John shocks him and exits the bathroom. He turns off the lights and seals the door shut, leaving a helpless Adam to die with a simple game over, man. Sorry, wrong movie. He just says game over. That's it. It's a very long, very long synopsis. I did not write that. Just FYI. It's on the the Wikipedia page. The Vicky, the Vicky, Vicky. I have to go there (laughs) and change it earlier. That means fast, fast. (laughs) Maybe quick, (laughs) quick, quick. No say. <laughs> All right. I mean that that was the whole movie. I mean, uh from start to finish. I'm okay with that synopsis. When did you first see the film Saw? And was it too much or not enough? Or are you like the little Goldilocks then? It was just right. <laughs> um yeah. So, you know, I saw the film back in 2004 the year was 2004 double i wasn't four <laughs> double <laughs> back in aught four coach would have put me in we would have won state but um i uh, i wasn't 18 yet i was 17 and uh, i had to sneak into She's the movie only 
haunting. For all That's you Winger a... fans out there. <laughs> I was like, you're going to go to prison, man. Not me, uh... Winger. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff the, Winger. He's the R.A.P. guy. <laughs> the rap <R-A-P-E>. guy. <laughs> <laughs> W-I-T. Uh, <laughs> I'm white. I'm white. Uh, hey. anyway. So, uh, yeah, I had to sneak into the movie because I wasn't 18. Um, and I think I, w- when I first saw it, I think I fed into the hype and and with the times of everybody being like, oh, it's so cool. The movie event of the year. You can't miss it. Blah, blah, blah. It was pretty violent for me. I, I did remember liking it a lot. And I, I really liked the twists. I thought that was so cool because I wasn't expecting John Kramer to pop up and be like, the key is in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I was excited and I, I bought it on DVD as soon as it came out. It was really cool. It came with a, the case had this kind of weird gel cover that had blood in it. And it was fake blood, obviously, I think. And you could like squish it around on the cover. I thought that was really neat. But yeah, I, I purchased the DVD as, as, as soon as ASAP possible. But <laughs> what about you? Uh, I saw it on the uh, HBO or something like that. One of those premium services shortly after it came out. So I guess it would have been a year. Eh, Probably 2005. It's usually whatever, four to six months for video and then another six months for, uh, you know, HBO. Something. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw it in the comfort of my own home. I did not go to the cinema to see it. But... uh, I, I that was okay. That was, I thought it was pretty good. You know, it's pretty good. Uh, it's kind of music you could tap your foot to, I suppose, uh, unless you chop it off. <laughs> but uh, I dug it. I don't think I was blown away or anything, but I I enjoyed it. I I think that there are some things that I would have liked to see more of, maybe a little less of. But at the end of the day, I thought it was pretty good. I, I would say that I enjoy it more than any of its sequels. Well, yeah. Yeah. So if if Saw were a little less gory, do you think it would be a good candidate for a psychological thriller and, and only a psychological thriller as opposed to a horror movie? Something along the lines of Seven, as was mentioned in that review, or 10 Cloverfield Lane, or maybe even something like Prisoners, where it just really gets in your head, but it's not so much. Like right now, as it stands, everyone thinks of the gore, when I would rather them think about the getting in your head and being more of a psych thriller. So, I mean, I struggle with this one because the reason I, I, I really liked, uh, and, and again, I, I want to make it clear that you picked this movie, but the reason I wanted to Did do... I? So, yeah. <laughs> you always reason, say I pick movies, but I don't ever remember doing that. You, you picked all of the October ones, I promise. Scouts on. No. And I, and I wasn't even in the Scouts. But, God, uh, God, God, I so. <laughs> so uh the, the reason I, I i enjoyed the idea of doing saw was because i did i did feel from what i remember from my 2004 self or whatever was that it was more of a psychological thriller and i think it got a really bad rap and so i was thinking about that while i watched this movie the entire time i you know i really enjoyed the twists uh, the planning the contraptions all that stuff were really cool in this because it was something that, like i hadn't seen in a while aside from home alone right with with way more killing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but right <laughs> yeah and, and less micro machines but sure um, put the feathers on the god put the glue and then and then the feathers it's gonna be a chicken it's gonna be great we'll all yeah. laugh and uh, while while I, I see what was happening with the psychological aspect and what they were trying to attain, what I did not like were how 
basically it was basically how innocent people were being forced to mutilate or kill each other because some you know holier than thou asshole decided that he he wanted to be judge judy executioner right <laughs> you know <laughs> he's not judge judy executioner <laughs> I, I and, and the thing is, like, I see where Jigsaw was going with his thought process being, I don't, the, you know, value your life. But but oh Gordon, <laughs> but 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 Gordon and Adam, they were they weren't even that bad. I mean, yeah, Gordon cheated on his wife, which is bad. And Adam took photos of people for money, which is, is kind of bad. But that's what the paparazzi does. So does that mean that they need to be tortured? No, dude, eat a dick. Like, right. I, I, I do like your your seven comparison. And kind of maybe like the 10 Cloverfield Lane. I like the comparison because that's probably seven is probably what inspired Winnell and Juan aside from their dreams to kind of think up this film. There's a lot of that going on. And I think seven had a way bigger and lasting impression than Saw did. Although if, if anything, I would say the first Saw is, is a lot more psychological thriller than torture porn. Like we've been touting um, the killings, the gore were way toned down in this in this movie compared to the ridiculousness it's it, it was like hey how can we over the top these kills right. and as that's we go and on? the very nature of sequels that's what they do i mean even right. in scream 2 randy's like it's always double the bottle can't bo- double the body count and it got to be more gory you know it's got to be more intense all bets are and, off and <laughs> that's and that's how it works and and i'm okay with that you always you know go big or go home i get i get that whole mentality we want to mm-hmm. we've seen this now how are you going to up the ante as it were right so I, I i get it but i do think that uh it does get lost in the shuffle of horror because i i i think that if this were just on tv it could easily be some primetime lifetime at night movie kind of thing <laughs> if it were just a little less tame um <laughs> This is the kind of movie my mom, if, I mean, honestly, if if it's really just the lingering shots that kind of gross people out or when the traps mm-hmm. are happening, when they're doing like the, the crime scene walkthroughs, which we'll get to in a minute, that it really sh- kind of ups the gore factor. Uh, but I think if it was more to your imagination, this could easily be on on TV and be one of those scary movies that you watched accidentally or something like you just kind of got. Uh, you were it was a it was a rainy day. You you were under a blanket and you were watching TV and this was on. And so you decided to watch it and it got under your skin. And I, I think that it has the formula for that. It just uh, got exaggerated. I, yeah, I agree completely with that. And and we can see this kind of stuff on on cable TV. I mean, right. And I, and I know we're talking 16 years of difference, but at the same token, it's I, I don't like when people are grouping things all as one without really giving it the the effort to to watch every single one and break it down. They're generalizing and being like, oh, they're all just torture porn. I'm like, well, no, not really. You know, right. it, it, did, it did miss the mark of psychological thriller, I think slightly. Um, I get what they were going for, but unfortunately, yeah, they kind of missed the mark a bit. Right. That's fair. And and I really want to stress that I want to pretend that the other sequels don't even exist for the sake of this (laughs) podcast, because I mean, if this movie would have flopped this and and it was supposed to be a direct to video kind of movie, if it would have flopped, then that's all we would have gotten. So I think that it's fair to just kind of grade it as a as a standalone. And Lionsgate wasn't a huge uh, production studio, correct? Like they did a lot of lower budget films. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean they, they're one of those companies that has their hands in a lot of pies. I mean, it's it's one of those things to invest in, in movies and get your return back and everything. But yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, $1.2 million is not a lot of money. That's, uh, I mean, it is the grand scheme of things for an amateur to make a movie. But that's the cool thing about horror films is that they're cheap. 
know, there's only a handful of locations that you need. I bet these actors worked for the bare minimum mm-hmm. uh, at the time, and they got lucky with all, with some of the casting. So Carrie Elwes, he um, only got about fifty five. <laughs> Princess Buttercup, he only got about uh, fifty five thousand dollars, and then he opted for one percent on the back end, which would have been you know a little over a million dollars, because well, a lot more than a million dollars. Sorry, one point eight to be almost exact. And apparently he didn't get that money. And so then there was a huge <laughs> there was a huge issue in legal battles. And, and you'd think that, you know, he would never come back to the franchise. But then he came back and saw the final chapter. So they must have they must have squashed it. They must have been like, hey, we're, we'll also give you a lot of money. Sure. I'm sure they settled out of court and they were like, OK, well, we'll put this put this bed to rest. We'll give you your foot back. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Are we square? I think so. <laughs> Are we square? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that. <laughs> oh, I love that movie so goddamn much. It's pretty good. I'm it's still gonna good. need the two dollars. So. <laughs> I just fucking pulled in here, man. <laughs> that's so funny. It's so funny, you know, because that's a that's a kidnapping movie, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a hangout vibe too. It's it's really funny. I dig that movie a lot. Yeah, Marco Cohen. is one of the greatest films ever made. The, it really is. It's one of my top 10. And the Coens just have a way about making films that you're just captivated by. And that is one of those. It's yep. incredible. <laughs> I, I can't believe that I'm quoting a conversation with with a parking lot attendant. I love that movie so much. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So um, back to Saw from 2004. <laughs> What are your thoughts on Lee Winnell's performance as Adam? Did it work for you or did um, did it kind of take away from your enjoyment? Because I, I got to be honest with you. For me, it was like it was amateur hour. Like, like if someone were to ask me to be in a movie, I'd be like, all right, sure, I can act and then be, be terrible at it. So out of all the performances in this movie, I feel like his is the weakest. You would just he'd be like, who's there? He'd be like, hi. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, dude, check out the sweet ankle chain I got. <laughs> That's pretty slight. That's pretty good. Pretty slight. <laughs> um, well, okay, yeah, he was he was amateurish, but I mean, I think he did a he did a pretty good job of of just being a confused and pompous dude. I couldn't trust the the man. I mean, he was hiding things from Gordon, like those pictures from the bag, uh, and then just info like on the back of the the picture and whatever. He was hiding stuff right from the get go. Well, he I, knew he played the tape, and it had said, "You got to kill this guy." So, I mean, if you yeah. were if, in his defense, he I would just be more ammunition for Dr. Gordon to go ahead and murder him. Right. Seeing that seeing that nice piece of uh, uh, incentive with the photograph. Well, if there's one thing that Matt Damon from The Martian taught me, it was that if you're in a dire situation, you deal with one problem at a time and you move on. So I think his problem would be trying to escape first and then deal with the trust issue like I think that they were both chained up in a situation and and he was the person that was lacking in trust. And so I think it just spoke volumes of of his character. And he did he did a pretty job. It wasn't Oscar worthy or anything. But then, then again, you know, the Oscars are bullshit. So but I was convinced that uh, with him and Gordon's chemistry, I, I liked it. Um, sure. But I mean, I think at the same time, you brought up the, the point of trust and he knows that Dr. Gordon is cheating on his wife, his his best friend and partner who he's being dishonest with. So why would he have any reason to believe anything that comes out of his mouth? Just from the flip side of that, as someone that's yeah. followed him and sees that he is a, a, a snake in the grass, as it were. 
So I wish this is where this is where I wish the movie kind of expanded more and put more emphasis on it in in a situation. And the reason why things like The Walking Dead had so much success is because we didn't really fear the the zombies, the walkers as much. We feared other people. And so in this kind of situation, human nature is just awful. And I wish we could have seen maybe a, a bigger growth on that, maybe more distrust. Maybe there were some hidden backstories. One of those it was you moments where maybe they crossed paths before before he took pictures or something and there was a lot of animosity between them. Otherwise, we didn't really get much. So in that sense, I'm going to say he wasn't that great. But I I didn't find him. I mean, I, I couldn't do a better job. Yeah, I, could, I mean, I couldn't either. What the fuck do I know about it? I, mean, yeah. I just, when he was having his little freak out moments and monologuing in the bathroom, I was not impressed. Yeah. Do you know he actually uh, directed Upgrade and he directed The Invisible Man, the most yeah. that recent film I was speaking yeah. about. So that's pretty cool. Uh, both both of these two filmmakers have made a name for themselves post Saw. Yeah. James Wan, James Wan basically reinvigorated the Fast and Furious franchise because he did Fast Five and that's when it really picked up. I, for my money, that's the best Fast and Furious movie besides number one. So. That's a good one. Yeah, that's good. I like I like five. You're in Brasilia. <laughs> yeah. It's got the good music. Oh, dude. So good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. That's, that's fair. Let's talk about Jigsaw. His methods are legendary, but his role in the film is actually quite small. Let's pretend that, like as we said before, the, that Saw never got a sequel. Are you cool with the less is more approach, or would you prefer a more front and center villain antagonizing their victim a la Freddy Krueger? Ultimately, I think we got a little bit of both. You know, he hears there, there's the recording, there's the the message like, "Hey, if you don't if you don't get out of this fucking bear trap, you're gonna die. That's, that's gonna be bad. You're gonna you're gonna hate it." So there's that. You know. <laughs> so um, I'm just curious. Do you think you got enough, or what did you want more? Um. So if Saw was a standalone film, and again with no sequels, I think I think it would have been awesome. Sure, we you know we always want more. Like give the people what they want, and especially give me, give me more, give me more, <laughs> give me, give me more. Well, especially with the potential of this movie and and how gruesome you could get with the kills. That's why we had so many goddamn sequels. Uh, they they may not have been good, quote unquote. But once you shift that focus from Jigsaw to kind of focus more on the creative tra- traps and way to die, you really can put some butts in the seats. I mean, that's what people go there for is to to see that craziness. And it be, it took on that torture porn genre. So I have this strange fascination with most franchises and like horror, horror more so. But I like to complete the lore of, of films, even if they're terrible. So things like, you know, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Paranormal Activity, Saw, Child's Play. I like watching all of those just so I get the lore, even if it's even if it's not a good film by any stretch. I, I think with horror films, I just I have this kind of uh, infatuation with finishing them. So and sequels go with horror films like peanut butter goes with jelly. Pretty much. It's, it's I like a PB and J. Hold the J. I just uh, I leave the jelly off the bread. I don't I just eat a peanut butter sandwich. No jelly. I don't like I don't like the jelly. Don't don't be crazy, Justin. Uh, it, it is it, you know it's it's really rare to make a great horror film and and not have a sequel. It, it, I'm not saying it's impossible; it's been done. But I think that when money gets involved, that's where it gets tricky. In fact, I I could probably wager that Jigsaw may have been the best parts of the sequels. Um, but but specifically one through four, 
I know I like I know that's contradictory slightly to what I was saying about like eat a dick jigsaw, but the sequels contraptions, they were just gross, man. The deaths, they were so unnecessary. They were excessive and the characters were flat and they were just throwaway characters. It it became how how can we outdo the next one? Like you were saying. So if anything, jigsaw was the most fascinating part of the of the sequels because it, it continued the lore. So jigsaw really reeled those viewers in and, and he provided that needed exposition. He kind of acts as as this religious god, right? And is presented in such a way. Things like in the sequels and whatever, he's he's wearing cloaks, he like baptizes his followers, he gives you all these ethics and lessons, and he's an extreme Christian pretty much. And like while I don't realistically think he has any right to deem himself as a deity, I didn't I I did actually find the plot fascinating in a non-fictional sense. And like at the end of the day, his holier than thou mentality is exposed for what it really is. He's just a false prophet. He's a false creed. His yeah. uh his his apprentices, like he fails, man. His apprentice apprentices, they're all freaking nut jobs. They're just they don't his lessons aren't learned by them. And then like most of his victims, same thing, they don't learn lessons and he dies in the third one spoiler whoa, spoiler whoa, whoa, spoiler. <laughs> his, his death has proved nothing other than he can he can kidnap a kid and get a last hurrah he's a, he's a piece of shit dude so to t- right. sum it up <laughs> jigsaw on paper is a great idea but the execution of jigsaw no pun intended can go eat a large bag of dicks and that is all i have to say about fucking jigsaw man it's it, on paper he was good but execution was bad hmm Sorry, that was a lot. Buy, what about how do you? you? Get your hands on a bag of dicks. Is it is it by the pound or is it eaches? No, dude. There's a fast food restaurant uh, up here called Dicks. It's delicious. There's like six of them up here. It's just a hamburger joint. So that's what I meant. I didn't mean he should eat actual dicks. <laughs> oh, okay, because I mean, that's gross. Yeah, like like he's still an asshole, but he can he can treat himself to some dicks. So. <laughs> do you? I mean, you what can blow bubbles in your milk with one of those. <laughs> <laughs> did did you like Jigsaw? What did you think about him? No, not at all. I, I mean, I I don't get it. Like I don't understand. Uh, you know, in fact, we'll just I'm gonna skip to this other question because I feel like this kind of answers my thoughts here. Oh. Is you know, I don't I don't think I understand his motives entirely. You know, I get the idea that life is short and it's up to you to get the most out of your time on this planet, and you shouldn't take it for granted. However. I'm having trouble understanding why he would want to hurt Dr. Gordon's wife and child. Yeah. As someone who found value in life, it doesn't make sense to me as to why he would put those other two in harm's way. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what I was saying uh, earlier, and I think your second question. And it made no sense to me. And I, I think he completely invalidates his message by making innocent people suffer, both physically and emotionally. And also like with Zepp. Why was he poisoned? They never explain why he was poisoned right. and used as a pawn. I'm like, that's fucked up. You poisoned he was probably him. touching people in the hospital because he got that creepy orderly vibe. Like he's he's up to no good. I don't know. Like if I saw that yeah. man, um, what's his name? Emerson. Um, Michael. Was his name Michael Emerson? Uh, yeah, lost. Michael Emerson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ben Linus. Holy shit. The guy's a total creeper, man. Sure. Like, he always has like his eyes open really wide and <laughs> and like he's. Those are the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. He just he gives off like a, a vibe, like he drives a windowless van and I don't trust him. And so <laughs> I just think I was under the impression that he was just one of them creepy orderly types that hung out with like coma patients or something and did things. Uh, we don't get any explanation, but that's the vibe that I got. I got creeper, creeper vibe all over that dude. So uh, that's just I don't get it. And why would he put uh, rules on him? What's stopping him from just 
you know, killing everybody. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't quite get it. Like, I don't understand why he's so hell bent on those rules. I feel like he was in such a position of power that he was playing with his food too much. Yeah. If he was poisoned, why would he, and he was going to die. I feel like he gave sort of the Bond villain approach where he was just talking and lollygagging for a really long time. So it didn't make sense to me. Right. And, you know, there are lots of holes in this movie. But I do think, again, back to what I was saying about um, how they could have maybe fleshed it out more where we show that a lot of these characters, self-preservation is is the biggest thing. Like, I'm going to quid pro quo because I want to survive and I don't care if I have to go kidnap an innocent family. I need that goddamn antidote. And for for what it's worth, the second one does a pretty good job of portraying this where it's kind of like, nah, fuck that. I'm on my own. I don't I'm not working with you guys. So I think they could have expanded more and maybe that's what they're trying to get at with with Zep. But I really didn't like how they didn't give an example. Like if they actually showed you or showed a, you know, my name is Zep and I like to fuck or whatever. If he was if he's banging the coma patients, then yeah, that dude needs to be poisoned. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. From like Kill Bill. Buck. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, no, totally. I, I mean, I just I wasn't given enough information to think uh, one way or another. It, it, it took away some of the believability for me. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, detectives Tap and Sing are actually pretty clever and do through some some sound detective work, track down Jigsaw relatively quickly. Unfortunately, Sing meets an untimely end and Tap goes a little crazy town banana pants. He's uh he gets kicked off the force and he gets his, you know, he gets his throat slit, so he can't you know, he's a creeper. <laughs> no one likes trusting anybody with a throat with his, with their with a throat scar. I don't know what it is. It's Snitches get stitches. I suppose. Yeah. Um now, were their characters uh, a missed opportunity for expanding on the lore and motives behind Jigsaw? Personally, I enjoyed the walkthroughs of the crime scenes and explanations of the traps and the interviews with Amanda, and, and I kind of wanted to know more. Were you in that same boat? Do you want to know more? Exactly. Uh, um, yeah, like I previously said, I, I really enjoy the lore in horror films. I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm an analytical guy, and I want to know the logistics of things. And for all intents and purposes, most of the loose ends were tied up in saw. There were some glaring ones like we were just talking about with Zep and whatever, but the good majority were, were tied up. I didn't really question too much why something was a certain way after the big jigsaw reveal at the end. Um, until I maybe thought about it longer, but I still felt pretty satisfied at the end. And and like to further that, we we see more of the chained bathroom scene in Saw 2 and 3. So they really kind of hone in on that. And I, I liked that they kept calling back to it. And as far as taps and sing, I don't know. I wasn't interested in their characters. They didn't progress the story for me at all. They didn't really do anything. You could have put whoever in there and it wouldn't have mattered. Um, I like, I like the crime scene stuff, but taps and sing just didn't do much to enhance anything. I, I, I mean, tap or what was his name? Danny Glover. Yeah. Taps. He sure. He saved the family, but then gets shot and, I don't know. That, that didn't so really that's what anything. I mean. So like, I, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is I think if they were given more to work with, you know, could they have been more interesting or do you think it would have been more along the lines of seven and it would have been even morally compared to that? Like just two cops trying to find a serial killer. In this case, it was more two people trying to survive a serial killer versus uh, police trying to find him. Right. Um, I don't know. That's really hard to say. I think you can 
if if they were given a bigger role, you could then use the sequels to enhance that too. Kind of like what they started doing with sequels where they carried over characters. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to really get out of that seven comparison though. So just like that right. review said it was a sub seven B movie. It was more like a six. <laughs> no, seven's man. the magic seven's number. The magic number. <laughs> Think about it. Seven eleven, <laughs> seven dwarves, seven, man. That's the number. Seven chipmunks rolling on a branch, eating lots of sunflowers on my uncle's ranch. You know, that old children's tale from the sea. It's like you're dreaming about gorgonzola cheese when it's clearly free time, baby. Step into my office. Because you're fucking fired. <laughs> you're supposed to say why? Because <laughs> you're fucking fired. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, jeez. Oh, That's a there's something about Mary quote for those who don't understand the comedy of Mr. Cavender. That was great. I can't believe you knew all that. Jesus. I know everything. <laughs> I know you do. So I'm everywhere, fucker. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Like, what did you think they could have done maybe differently with those detectives? I, so... I mean, short of it being a seven, <laughs> call it eight, short of it being eight, <laughs> um, I, I just really dug the, how they were, I would prefer that they'd be one step behind and stumbling into these scenes and then finding clues. Because I feel like these homicidal maniac type, po- uh, type folks uh, have this ego that they'll never get caught. And so they leave these clues behind uh, just to kind of rub it in the police's face. And right. so I think it would have been a little bit more fun if he was maybe toying with them and toying with his victims to the point where he uh, maybe slipped up and got caught. But I mean, that we've seen that before. Mm-hmm. I just think that the uniqueness of the traps and and just the, the wear and tear that it does on your mind might be that that factor that we haven't seen before. But for the sake of Amanda, she's in that room with someone that was supposedly dead, but they were waking up. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't get why her killing somebody is a good thing. Yeah, I don't I don't. Again, I'm I'm lost on his motives and what he thinks is the right thing. I'm clearly he's out of his head because he's maybe, maybe it has something to do with his 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 cancer. The 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 lobe that is of in, impacted is uh is making him do crazy things because it doesn't well, make sense. Like there's no, there's no way to justify what he's doing as, as a good thing. Right. It'd be one thing if it was, if it was someone that was terrible, that was scared straight in the sense of, uh, you know, they, they were on the wrong path and then they got righted, but having to hurt yourself or someone else doesn't seem like the right options. And and to back it up a bit, it's I can understand how Winnell and Juan were trying to portray it as Amanda didn't hesitate stabbing that guy. I mean, she was like, all right, I found a knife. I'm just going to do it because I want to save my own my own ass. Um, I don't know how much she thought about killing that guy and and the repercussions of it. But I think in that sense, that's where Jigsaw failed because that was a huge flaw in his plan. Like, yeah, save yourself by um sacrificing something but it's like but you also have to kill somebody that's weird but the writers i get what they were trying to go for i just think it was a failed execution right because now why would she want (laughs) to why would she want to live with herself after killing somebody exactly because now she's terrible i know it's terrible 
I don't get it. (laughs) Now, does the bathroom puzzle work for you? Like, jump into a time machine back to 2004 and without having any (laughs) knowledge of the sequels, uh, does it make sense for Adam to have a key in the bathtub only for it to go down the drain? Seems like it's a bit unfair. And at the end, at the you know, at the end of the day, it's more like you know, normally you had there's it's a possibility that you can win at Jigsaw's game, but if the key goes down the goddamn drain, then then it doesn't work out. And in this case, it was just an accident that it that it it went swoop right on down the hole. And uh, it's more of an oops moment. And it's like, sorry, dude, we'll put an asterisk next to your name for that one. Um, you know, maybe you'll get a do over in the future. But um, or was Adam just never meant to get out? Because, you know, Jigsaw does tell him at the end, like, hey, dude, there's a fucking key in the bathtub. at it. And uh, and then he's like, game over, man, game over and shuts the door. So I think that it's just weird that he wasn't even really given the chance to escape with that key going right down the drain. I mean, you said it right. I, I think it was an accident. He hit the, it was meant to float in the water. It had that blue floaty thingy. And, but when Adam woke up, he, he hit the, the drain plug with his foot. It was really just an unfortunate scenario. And like in Saw 3, they show Amanda just toss, toss it into the tub when she puts Adam in there. But with no hypothetical knowledge of the sequels, it, like if I was 17 year old Zach again, jamming out to my, I don't know, Eminem CD or something. I would have thought it was just an unfortunate scenario. I didn't really think that was on purpose per se, but yeah, I mean, should Jigsaw let him out? Fuck yeah. When he's like, the key's there, he should have been like, there's no key, man. And he should have just let him out. (laughs) But actually, there is no key. I scoured this fucking bathtub. And why is there a bathtub in a public restroom? That's a little weird, but whatever. And like, should should Jigsaw maybe drug Adam to give himself time to escape? Yeah, even more so. There, there's different ways to do it. And so, again, that goes back to what we've been hammering is his message is lost by it's like, yeah, the key's in there. I'm not going to listen to you. Uh, you're on your own, bitch. Like, bye. At least leave the door open for him, bro. Right. So it's just uh, there's a lot. It's like if he wanted to give himself time to escape, just drug him or electrocute him or whatever you want to do. But let him go. He survived your test. Yeah, he made it. I don't. I, yeah, that's just it, right? Like. It, it wasn't that he had to escape. It was he had to hope that Dr. Gordon didn't kill him by six o'clock. Exactly. And that's there that, was no that was rule only, about. Yeah. I have to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. He's well. And, and Jigsaw is always the, the, the running theme throughout the movies is follow. You have to follow the rules like you play the game, you follow the rules. And it's like when Hulk Hogan says that's the rules, brother. I mean, that's basically Jigsaw's mantra. I don't know about all them rules. There's a problem with them. They're open to interpretation. <laughs> apparently. And apparently, and apparently. The game is rigged. <laughs> yeah, they're very subjective, apparently. Yeah. Void where prohibited. <laughs> anyway. So how about the moment where Dr. Gordon goes for it? You know, watching him saw through his leg. Uh, that's pretty cringe, dude. And, uh, you know, how about that transformation on his face where he just loses all of his color and he just looks like a fucking corpse? Like, how gnarly was that? Did that that turn your stomach a little bit? Oh, man. I hated the titular Saw moment because you're you're waiting for it. In a movie called Saw, you're waiting for it. On, like, like GD cover, you know, you have a foot in a shackle. It's (laughs) Yeah, mine has a hand. Yours has a hand? Oh, yeah. I I think actually let me look real quick because I, I have the unrated pack because I thought I remember the poster being a foot and then and, and, and it I was at, yeah and now I see a hand well they they might have changed it since they did the like, whole spoiler alert yeah mine's a hand for the unrated one um but they also revamped all the 
because like I got the bundle, the eight film collection, and all of them kind of look the exact same, the covers. But I do remember a foot for what it used to look like. Yeah, I, there's one where it's like a, a foot on the top right and then a, a hand on the bottom left. Yeah. Um, so, but whatever. But I hated that moment. I mean, it, it was so disgusting. It reminded me of 127 hours when Aaron cuts his arm off. That part was just you knew it's coming. Whoa. Spoiler well, alert. Well, I mean, you knew you knew it was coming the whole time. Yet it it, it didn't make it easier to watch. <laughs> um, You're gonna want that true coat. You're gonna want. You need some ointment there. Some <laughs> yeah. some foot ointment. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I love the makeup and the set design for this film overall. And so his his dead zombie makeup was when he's like, "Oh, I'll save you." Like that was. That was yeah. really cool. I, I I liked that a lot. I think it was like, awesome. Let's go get some help. I know. Oh, pay phone back that way. I'll, <laughs> I'll be back. Don't you worry. I'll bring someone back with me. Yeah. It's like, I don't think so, bro. Um, he's going to bring J. Edgar Hoover with him. Uh, I, I, I thought it was the, the bathroom was set up really perfectly. Like I was saying, the set design. I think it, it looked and it felt just disgusting. And so not only are you chained up in this in this just a regular bathroom, it, it happens to be a vile and just filthy bathroom. Uh, it really added to that experience for me. And I think that Adam's reaction was really good as well. Like when he's sawing off his leg. And he's like, what are you doing, Gordon? No, you know, just freaking out. Because how do you react when you see somebody cutting off their their freaking foot? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty gross. Gonna need some ointment there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to pee on it too, man. That bathroom's dirty. I'm gonna lick it, see? I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, kid, you're gonna want to, you're gonna want a bandaid for that that leg there. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Now, um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but I don't remember. Were you surprised when Jigsaw was in the room the whole time? Like when he woke up, were you like, what the fuck? And were (laughs) were you satisfied with that? With that ending? Like, uh, oh, this is like one of them. One of them M. Night Shyamalan twists. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. I I loved the surprise ending. I, I wasn't expecting any of the final 10 minutes to happen other than his foot being sawed off. I just what was ensuing to that I, I wasn't expecting at all and i think it was pretty remarkable and it totally got my attention it was easily my favorite part of the film just that final 10 minutes and the whole you know the key to that bath or to that chain is in that tub all that shit um, i think the ending did exactly what it was supposed to do it, it made us feel unclean and disturbed and so when you were saying could this be a um like a solo film without sequels yeah that would have been such an icky feeling to have at the end of this you'd have been like oh man like (laughs) i don't like bathrooms anymore yeah i mean because i mean we're told that he's he's terminal right so i mean he's going to die so it's not like anybody not like the police have to catch him because his his days are numbered (laughs) yeah as it were the jigsaw strikes again yeah yeah Pretty much, right? <laughs> then they're gonna be like, "What happened to that guy?" Oh, he died of cancer a long time ago. <laughs> Serves him right. <laughs> yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Anyway, now this movie's loaded with all sorts of Easter eggs and clues. Did you spot any during your first or second uh, viewing, or did it take multiple watches, or have you still not found any? Because I, at the time when I saw it, I didn't catch anything that was a clue as to what was going on. And every time something happened, I was like, "Oh, I'll be damned." And uh, even when I watched it just the other day, uh, so much of it was a blur that uh, I mean, I basically knew how it was going to end. And I remembered the the individual uh, kills and stuff, but I was still trying to kind of keep my eyes open for 
for newspaper clippings or things on the wall and and I didn't see any of that. And then I watched a couple YouTube videos and I was like, dude, that's like right there in plain sight. And I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, no, you know, I, when you asked this question, I was thinking about that. I was like, what do you mean? I, I don't remember any Easter eggs really. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So there's, um, during the crime scenes, uh, during the walkthroughs, there's different, uh, things written on the wall. I, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but um, there's things that are written there. There's also the the diorama of the bathroom, and uh, you see that um, there's like uh, Dr. Gordon on the. There's the dead body in the center of the room. Then there's Dr. Gordon, but we don't see who the third person is in the room. It's it's shot in a way to where that person doesn't exist yet. Uh, but clearly, it's a two it's a two person game. So we need a third body in there. Um, mm. And then um, some of the detective work that they're doing kind of uh, shows like who it is. Uh, I watched his videos late last night. I, I apologize for not having more evidence. I'll send you a link. So it'll be fun for you to check it out. But it was like, in case you missed it type of video. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty clever. I mean, it was all well thought out. And some of the photos, uh, that's another thing like that. The photo that was missing uh, in Dr. Gordon's wallet is one that's uh portrait in their house and i think he even has it at his desk and it's the only photo that has all three of them in the in the picture hmm yeah i i did not know that yeah um yeah i'm trying to look it up right now to see if i can find anything i went to the easter egg archive.com it's e eggs e eggs.com i'm i'm good i'm gonna skip that one uh no yeah that's that really makes me want to watch it again kind of slightly but not really just sure. to look I mean, at it it was so, a lot it was like 39 things that you might have missed Holy it was shit. a lot yeah yeah i'll watch the video if you send it because i am intrigued by that now mm-hmm. but but yeah no i am uh i'm very surprised hmm. what letter grade do you give a saw an s for saw <laughs> i give it a sub seven um so i actually give saw a b minus um, I, I, I think, I think it's an important film in horror history, horror film history, but I, I didn't think it's in that upper echelon of scary films. Um, the fact that it pushed away so much from being on the brink of a great psychological thriller like seven, and I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but, uh, it was on the brink of that great psychological thriller, but it really, it bugged me that it couldn't get to where it needed to be. Uh, it was it was then worsened by the gamut of sequels that just basically expanded the lore, but cared more about torture porn and creative kills. So, yeah, it's a it's a B minus for me, man. What about you? I'll give it a I'll give it a C for cut your leg off. <laughs> Whoa. So a C. <laughs> interesting. Were you just you just weren't really into it that much? Uh, Well, I think that I was never scared. And I feel like if it's a horror movie, I need to be scared. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with you. But, um, no, well, but maybe it's, it's, it's 16 years old. So maybe with the times too, it's a little different. So things like Halloween, right? That came out in the, in 79. I'm not scared of that movie, but back in the day, I would have been terrified. Would that maybe make a difference? I don't think so. Because I mean, I was, I was 24 when it came out, 25 when I saw it. Uh-huh. And home invasion has always terrified me. The little girl being scared with the guy in the closet. And then like seeing his, seeing fucking Ben Linus's big old bug eyes staring <laughs> yeah. at you. And um, the, the photograph scene 
Look at this photograph. <laughs> yeah. When he's taking the pictures and you're hearing like the, you know, the flash bulbs, but we're not seeing anything. Um, I, that didn't scare me at all either. Um, yeah. Any of the car chase stuff, any of the, the, the tense moments of, is this person going to get out of the, of the, of the puzzle didn't exist because one, the, the people that didn't make it, we saw the aftermath before, before we saw the puzzle and the right. one person that did make it out, she clearly she survived because she's telling the goddamn story. So there wasn't yeah. anything really to to scare me, and so uh, that's where I am. I don't I don't think the movie is scary. I think it has uh, some interesting moments, and it definitely had some thinking spots. But at the end of the day, the killer's motives make no sense to me, and it just wasn't enough for for me to to care about it more than a C. I think, I think I had a lot on the, a lot on the surface, but when you, when you just kind of deep dive a couple of inches, you, you can agree with that, that review that said it didn't have a whole lot of substance. You know, there was all these ideas of, of these crazy things that were going to happen, but that never really executed. It was Mike Goodrich. He said, saw as a sub seven B movie, serial killer, chiller. That is, (laughs) An amazing sentence with more high concepts stuffed into its hundred minutes than it can handle, which ultimately gets fed through the sequels. But mm-hmm. at the time, it just it didn't work out. I mean, call it call it budget, call it it's your first film. I bet if James Wan and and Lee One um, L if they could do a do over there's a couple of things that they would have changed and maybe right. doing that, it would flush it out just a little bit more. And I, and I think that, that there's a lot of good stuff here and, but right. because they both wrote it and they directed and starred in it, they had their vision and they executed what they were capable of doing with their $1.2 million. So I think that with their film education that they have today, if they were to go back to 2004, they could make this movie a little bit different and put the polish that it needs. I agree. On this dirty bathroom. I mean, it's like us, man. Our first episode, it was it was good. It wasn't the greatest. Big Trouble in Little China? Are you kidding? That's the greatest episode of the greatest movie of all time. Uh, no What's way. What's with you? No way. Uh, but, I mean, we've just gotten better. We've, we've learned different things. And so I think that with same with James Wan and Lee Winnell, I think that, that, that we will always have a place in their hearts. But I bet that's probably not even their favorite movie they've made. So I don't want to speculate, but that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. So, but don't be yeah. crazy. Podcast is not in the business of speculation or rumors. Yeah, we will not I'll, feed into that. We don't do that. That's for the geek legacy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't want to say anything. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about a trailer that's ninety seconds for two hours. Um, I think that's all I have. Do you have any final thoughts? Oh, you had the. Have you ever done escape room? I mean, I we can talk about that. Have you ever participated? In an escape room. No, I have not. I would like to. I'm basically a detective anyways, so I think I could do pretty well in it. But no, you I have not. suck. First of all, <laughs> every time we played the game, the werewolf game, yeah. you always think I am what I'm not. You are a terrible detective. Because you're, you're a liar, sir. You lie all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I am good at what I do. I fucking crush at that game. I am so good at the werewolf game. It, you, yeah, you were pretty good. Not gonna lie, you were pretty good. Um, 
You know, I actually have a question for you, though. So based on our genre chart that we had, uh, and again, I got it from uh, horroronscreen.com. <laughs> it has it has the horror genres and subgenres. We have uh, five different genres and then a bunch of subgenres for that. There's gore and disturbing, psychological, killer, monster, and paranormal. Now, Saw, according to this, falls under strictly torture, which is under gore and disturbing. Um Based off of that, where would you categorize Saw? Oh, man. So the first one I would say is is psychological killer movie. Okay. I don't I don't I think that has an element of gore, but I don't think I think any of the sequels would definitely fall under gore. But I would personally I would say that it is a, a psych thriller killer movie. Yeah. You sure it's not bumpkin redneck? <laughs> it is not. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with you. I think psychological killer works pretty well, more so on the psychological side than the killer, but for sure. And I mean, like we just talked about, it's not much of a psychological, but if I were to have to pick from one of these five categories, it wouldn't be gore and disturbing. Um, right. Yeah. It even has home invasion and survival uh, in under the psychological column. Yeah. Which I think that survival is the key to this whole theme for all this shit. The key that went down the bathtub drain is oh, fucking man. survival. Yeah, pretty much. So, And by the way, I have done an escape room. I've done it thrice times. Were you good at and, it? Oh, man, I fucking crushed it, man. <laughs> the first one was, I actually we did it at San Diego Comic-Con. It was really fun. And it was me, Dave, Randy, uh, Stephen K. Janes from the Pixelator podcast, and... I think Felix might have been there too. And it was like this 1920s sort of jazz, um, <laughs> like speakeasy. And then zombies <laughs> were coming in and you had to try and escape before the zombies came through and they're breaking the windows and coming up on the floors. I solved two of the three puzzles. Damn, dude. Good job. I uh, know. I was fucking rocking and rolling, man. And then we did this other one in this weird, <laughs> some nice man's camper. <laughs> a guy in a really nice camper. You know, wants to put our song on the radio. And and it was a fun little escape room. And, and we fucking rocked that one, too. We actually had, like, one of the records for the day. And that wow. was fucking awesome. Yeah. And then the third one failed miserable. It was huge. It was this uh, one in, like, um, like, in Bell Red in Washington. And... Mm-hmm. And it was this huge warehouse and there was just a lot going on. And it was three teams and you each had to figure out certain pieces and then put it all together. And it was just too, it, it was hard because there wasn't like anything, anything like theme specific. Like there were a couple of globes, a couple of maps, some fuzzy things. I don't know. It was just weird. <laughs> it was a lot going on. And so I think once, even when they explained how we should have came to our conclusion, we were all looking at each other like, yeah, we're gonna want our money back on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a scam. But uh, I, if somebody made it to that escape room, then they're they're quite brilliant. But I, uh, I, I missed the mark for me. Yeah, I mean, because we didn't even have an aha moment. Like, oh, I get it. It was, uh, it was like what fucking liar. Sort of sucks. I feel like escape rooms really test relationships, both friendships and marital relationships or romantic relationships. You really get to know someone after that. Sure. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. else does that is a boat slip. When you try and see somebody try and put their boat in the water and it's a couple, (laughs) they will be prepared to murder each other before that (laughs) boat gets in the water. I don't even own a boat, but I've seen 
people just it ruins relationships wow yeah <laughs> apparently it's a process you don't just back it up and drop it in the water it's uh people fight Ooh. go no hang out make, at the boat no show. Gusta. <laughs> yeah. big seattle boat show <laughs> Uh, it doesn't surprise me that you did well on those puzzles because you are a good leader and you're a critical thinker and you're a smart fella. So it yeah. doesn't surprise me. But and, I'm, and I'm fat. PH fat, like Lil' yeah. Kim. <laughs> <laughs> pushes all the blood to my brain, so I think I think well. There you go. I talk I talk good. I talk so good. So do you want to do you want to hear my final thought on this? My my I Jerry thought Springer I final asked thought? you if you had any final thoughts. So and... well I, I I do, but this is the culmination of everything. So here we go. Here's my biggest issue. I think that Saw 1 gets lumped together and classified with the myriad sequels as just gory and torture. Um, I don't think that it's fair. Saw for 2020 purposes, the movie Saw for for 2020 purposes, was less violent than like The Walking Dead. I mean, you watch The Walking Dead and you're watching disgusting, gory deaths and heads getting exploded and whatever. Um, I think there were a lot more there was a lot more thought that went into this than viewers give when Ellen won credit for. So that's kind of what we were touching on with everything. I mean, it opens another question. Like why this is what I want to ask you. Why is stuff censored so heavily for us on, on TV and movies for, you know, for Pete's sake, we can watch worse violence on cable TVs and Netflix shows. Like I was just talking about the walking dead. Why does the government, um, or like the committees that that do stuff. Why do they tell us that we can or cannot watch certain things? Like why why do we even have ratings? One argument could be that some people might be affected by the violence in a way that maybe you could have like ad- adverse effects, uh, school shootings, committing more violence, etc. But study after study have shown that's absolutely bullshit. But I, I will play devil's advocate slightly. I can understand mandates for certain things. And so I'll use a topical thing. The masks, for example, mask mandates. We need the government to step in and mandate masks because we can't rely on a good faith system because people are selfish and entitled. And there are still many people who think COVID is a hoax, sadly. So if the government didn't step in to mandate masks, I think the death toll and the case count would be astronomical. Um, so I just I, I feel it's weird that we still have censorship for music and TV and all that. But are you, you kind of track what I'm saying? I, I do. But I think as far as censorship goes for media, there is access to the uncensored versions. Uh, you know, we can put a warning label on it for kids right. and, you know, like parental advisory. Dr. Dre says fuck and stuff. And so that's bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, that that causes your parents to stomp on their gangster rap cassette tapes <laughs> and um fuck the police <laughs> right exactly and so uh i do i do get what you're saying you know when we have those those rating systems for movies something as simple as just cutting away one second sooner turns it from an x rating to an r rating exactly uh, that is that is strange and probably something that needs to be revisited right um but i th- i think at the end of the day it turns into this accountability piece and I don't know if Americans specifically are ready for uh, art. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that we that we are capable of looking at something either objectively or or even subjectively to a certain point where we could say 
That's great that you made it, but it's not for me. Instead, it's you're poisoning my child, and and yeah. now my kid sucks because of this movie. <laughs> and that's certainly not the case. Yeah, I, I just think that it's so it's more of a cover your own ass sort of outlet to protect the studio, to protect the the artists, to protect everybody because we are terrible. We sue over everything. Yeah, and and I think that. The reason why we have that, it may mean it didn't start as this, but it's definitely a safety net for a lot of people. You know, we can say, hey, this isn't appropriate for your child. Otherwise, you get the the parents that call up the networks or write letters to the executives and say, hey, I'm boycotting your shit because, you know, you said damn on TV. And now now my kids asking questions about it, you know, and. And that's bad. Will and Grace. Oh my God, you got this. There's this gay couple on my TV, and, it, <laughs> and uh, now I'm getting gay, and I don't like it. And so I'm getting gay. <laughs> so it's stupid, right? People are just dumb. Like I yeah. mean, I think our country specifically, you know, we're we are uneducated in 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 sexual education. You know, there are a lot of schools that don't even teach it. There are people that don't want to talk about it. And and how are you supposed to? to know any better if your only education comes from a movie that on paper says you're not supposed to be able to see because it's outside of your age group and your parents are too nervous to talk to you about that and have that conversation. It makes zero sense. I mean, so from my, from my personal standpoint, I'm okay with the, with the labels and the censorship only because we have too many ignorant and negative people that would that would do more harm than good if we took those labels off. Yeah, and I can see that. I mean, I use the breastfeeding example uh, for the U.S. I mean, there are so many people who take offense when they see a mother breastfeeding their child in public. <laughs> right. And I'm right. like, are you kidding me? That she's It's a mother feeding their child. And surely if you are a woman and you had a baby, you know the exact same thing. And just because someone has their breast out uh, and a child is 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 getting food like just because that offends you fuck right off you know she's not she's not wiggling her boobs everywhere for people to see and even if she was mind your business i mean this isn't isn't reno nevada for crying out loud (laughs) well just like so many people are are so concerned with what other people are doing and, and it just it blows me away and so i think that movies i really do love that 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 pack that eight pack of films that i bought for saw they're all unrated and and like you're exactly right it's just little um nominal things that they change right you know a uh, extra cut scene here literally like a cut <laughs> um here and there or an extra fuck word here and there and that's that's how it gets from n17 to rated r so right but i i agree with you i think that we just i i don't think that we're ready for an unrated system and i don't think enough americans appreciate and understand art to really get it they don't <laughs> no <laughs> they really don't they're like why does that statue have a penis and why am i transfixed on looking at it and now <laughs> i am gay i hate art Michelangelo's exactly. David is just smut. I mean, look at book yeah. burnings. Like people, people burn books because basically, probably because they couldn't read them, and so they decided that oh, we want to ban these. I was like, fuck off, man. That right, was someone's right. work of art, and just because. And you and I have said this so much, and like you say it on the on the, the pixelated a lot too, where people get so up in arms about video game characters changing or or creators taking their property and moving it in a different direction and people are all up in arms about it and i'm like dude it's theirs it's art just freaking deal with it and uh but yeah 
no, I got you, man. I, I see what you're putting down. Right. Like so like like catching the rye. That's a good example of of upsetting parents. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is something that was published in the fifties, right? JD Salinger and and kids within like within side of two decades are already reading this stuff. And they're like, oh my God, this is Ooh, this is teen angst. This is Twilight before Twilight. And, and <laughs> oh my God, it's so naughty and inappropriate. And it's like, dude, it's 1950s, not even porn. It's like, okay. And people were upset that the, the Bible thumping sons of bitches are like, no way my kids reading this garbage. I can't have this. And really, it's just a matter of if your child is old enough to ask you questions, then I believe you are mature enough to answer those questions. That's really what it boils down to. And so when my child comes up to me and says, what does it mean to be a gay person? I cannot wait to answer that question and, and show them that it is okay to be gay and it's not a big deal. And, and if you're, and hopefully maybe even one of their teachers will be gay. And that's the thing, right? Like there was this whole, we've come so far over the course of, since I was a child to where, and it's still, we're still very much in the infant stages of, of accepting this, of social acceptance, right? There's a lot of parts in our country specifically that it is it is 100% bad news bears to come out. It's not safe and that's scary. That's horrifying. And I hope that I can teach to my kids that it is okay. Mm-hmm. And, and it just blows me away that so many people think differently. Sure, you're entitled to your own opinion and that's fine. But when you share that opinion with your children and then they also have that opinion, um, you know, then they can spread misinformation and, and it's bad. And eventually maybe when they grow up or go off to college and they learn something, really what you're doing is driving a wedge between you and your child, because now there's a trust issue. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of people that I went to school with that had culture shock because their parents told them one thing out in the middle of Kansas. And then when they came to Los Angeles with all of us sinners, they're like, Oh my God, you know, I'm going to hell. You're a wicked city woman and you're all painted up and you're going to hell. And then, and then they just all of a sudden, bam, now they're having this crazy, amazing lesbian orgy in the dorm room. And <laughs> now their parents are going to resent them. Yeah. And they get a piercing. Oh, my God. They're, how, they're, they have desecrated their body. How dare they? I know. The audacity. <laughs> no, 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 it's so crazy. I don't mean... I don't even know how we got on this subject, but I, at the end of the day, I think that there are just too many misinformed Americans spreading the wrong information, and it's it's full of lies and deceit and hate, and that doesn't help anybody. And at the end of the day, if you can watch Saw and say, it's a good movie, you should go see it, and if you don't <laughs> like it, then, you know, eat a bag of dicks, then that's fine, too. Exactly. Right on, brother. That's all I got. <laughs> that is all I got. Do you want to take us out? Uh, I think I did last time, didn't I? Yeah, but I always bring us in. Oh, you can okay. Take us out. Um, I mean, yeah. I can do it. Yeah, you have the document. I just closed it on accident. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, you need the documents <laughs> to say. I I don't want to I don't want to fudge up. But but yeah, go All ahead. Right. Thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod at zachdale60 and at edgyarmo, where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on the show. Uh, I don't think we did that this time because we had just released the episode of The Hills Have Eyes and no one responded to it yet. So make sure you watch that. Also watch this movie. What was it? Saw? It's it's good stuff. <laughs> kind of, sort of. It's almost seven. How about that? That's sub seven. And uh, remember to check out the other podcasts that we have on the network. Of course, there is the Geek Legacy podcast. Lots of fun to be had there. No more toy talk, I promise. Uh, we had like two episodes of just toys and I feel terrible about that. 
So we'll get back to the entertainment biz. Just COVID kept things kind of on the DL, which complicates things. So there's that. And then there's also the Pixelated Podcast, hosted by Stephen K. James, where he talks about the video games, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, you just keep rocking and rolling, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. It's Halloween's day. <laughs> there you go.